Hey everyone, good morning. Welcome to our daily drop-in show where the Teach Better team is live every single morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern. We have a new guest with us today. We have our good news articles. Guys, it was hard to choose the good news article today. I'm just letting you know there's a lot of good news out there today. We also have some holidays, a big, big, big holiday. I can't wait to celebrate with all of you on the show. And obviously we'll get into our theme this week and some great discussions. So if you're live with us, please feel free to comment and question in the chat. That's why we're here. Um, if you are watching this after the fact, either on our YouTube channel or while streaming um, on our Teach Better Talk podcast, hello, we're happy to have you. And we'll be right back to kick off. Good morning. Hey, everyone. Great to see you popping in in the comments already. You guys are really awake on this Thursday morning. Holy moly. I have Jennifer with me. Jennifer, I was so excited to spend time with you in Mastermind, our admin mastermind that we facilitate on the Teach Better team earlier this week. And then now to be with you here to kind of have a more intentional, intimate conversation. I'm so excited for this. So how are you feeling so far this morning? I'm feeling very grateful and excited to be here. Uh, what you do with those masterminds, it has been so inspiring and energizing, and I'm interested to have a conversation with the sun not up yet. So that'll yes. be the flip flip time for me. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. If any of you are listening and you're not registered for our ad administrator mastermind, you can do that over at teachbetter.com slash mastermind. It meets twice a day on Tuesdays, either like kind of pick what time works best for you. One's in the morning, one's in the afternoon. Obviously there's those all-stars that tune in for both conversations, which we always love. And uh, it's just a fun time to get leadership together and talk shop. I mean, truly our, our AM time is, is really kind of like that North America crew, right? We have everyone in the U S and Canada, but then truly that, that afternoon time slot, Jennifer, I know you've been there a bunch. We're global. That's people tuning in from all over the place and it's so stinking fun. So if you're a leader or aspiring leader and you are looking to kind of find your crew to talk shop and stay relevant in all those areas that are going on right now in that role, um, feel free to head over to teachfair.com slash mastermind and register. Um, but Jennifer, how did you get connected with that group? I don't even know. Hmm. Um, it could be that I'm always striving to learn and I am always researching topics to build upon my toolkit. and. Mm -hmm probably discovered you through through searching of best teaching practices, strategies, and loved your website and signed up and you know your comment about it being global. And that's part of the thing that that I really love is when you have diverse stakeholders, diverse people, uh, you have a richness of a conversation. And it can be also extremely validating. So really, you're experiencing that in Australia too? Yeah. And so when you have different cultures uh, resonating with a certain topic, it validates where you are. So that's what I really appreciate about it. Mm, so fun. So fun. I want to get into learning about you in case our network 
hasn't connected with you yet, which uh, will be such a wonderful element here to add a new member to our community. I also want to say good morning to Jeff and Katie and Joe and Sandra. They're all popping in to the comments this morning. So good to see all of you and participating in the chat. Fabulous to be a part of your morning and cheersing you with your morning coffee, getting ready for the day. Um, Jennifer, would you mind kind of giving us what's your background? What uh, what do you do in education currently? And and you know what's where kind of your passions lie? Thank you. So this is my twenty second year in the classroom. I've been teaching seventh grade, eighth grade for thirteen years. I've done freshmen. I've done seniors. English reading coached uh, distance running with track, uh, assistant music director for um, musicals and things like that. So really try to get involved with all aspects of education. And then when my daughter was born 16 years ago, um, I discovered that I was kissing her all the time. And I really wanted to be that parent that was unconditionally supportive and loving to my children. And I said, wow, I I must have kissed you a million times by now. And the nerd in me was like, well, when I was a kid growing up, a million seemed like so much. Like, oh, if you had a million lawn chairs, it would go all the way to the moon and back. And I did the math. And in order to do anything a million times, I have my daughter for 18 years. There's 365 days in a year. Did all the different engineering of the math. And it was, if you do something 153 times a day for 18 years, I'll have kissed them, kissed her a million times. And then I thought, well, I definitely do it 153 times. Probably when I'm changing her diaper, I'll probably like, you know, kiss her on the head like 30 times. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a commitment to kiss my daughter a million times. But what does that look like when she's a teenager? And it became a concept. So I was researching the neuroscience. Oh, when you kiss a baby, it's the oxytocin and you're helping pathogens build their immune system. I'm like, okay, there's something to this. Started getting into what's the opposite of trauma or opposite of love, which would be trauma and you know prolonged stress and got into brain-based principles, trauma-informed, social-emotional learning. Uh, wrote a, a little children's book about kissing your child a million times. And one thing led to another. I got certified, started doing professional development. And then I got certified in appreciative inquiry, which is a pretty unique thing in education. It's actually an organizational development theory. And so I said, you know, I really want to get this message out on through my experiences and my personal journey. Uh, to share that, to share the knowledge, positive psychology, and my ultimate goal is to build happy cultures and schools and support all mm-hmm. stakeholders in doing so. Wow, what a such an interesting like element that you or pathway that you went through to get to now the work that you are so passionate about doing in education is wanting to create that positive environment. I, I think that's such a phenomenal topic, obviously extremely relevant right now in the world. Uh, but something that you've been passionate about for quite some time. Yes. And it's, um, it is very awe-inspiring to see that other people share my similar interests. I'm not doing this alone. And, you know, there's so much with an abundance mindset, like there's so much, especially coming through the pandemic, there's so much pie out there. We don't have to stake out our little piece of the pie. There's, it's, there's an abundance of need of capacity, of passion, and I'm excited to do the work. 
I can't wait to dive into what your suggestions are going to be during our show for all of us to just be better in that area. That's so phenomenal. I know that we have uh, Bobby with us as well in the chat. Good to see you, Bobby, uh, as we are getting started this morning. You know, Jennifer, I know that, you know, people may have connected with you in Mastermind before, but maybe they haven't connected you with you uh, in this space. So it's always fun to bring kind of new members into our family. Where are you currently living so that people can kind of put you on their map? Sure. I'm right outside Philadelphia. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm located. I've done a lot of work in Baltimore as well. And I have a, a partner that I work with. She's out in Oregon. So I've done work in Oregon, California, Arizona, South Dakota. So even though I'm housed outside of Philadelphia, I do a lot of work online. So, you know, you can, you can see me in a, a lot of different places. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we had talked off the show I didn't even realize you're still, I mean, while doing all this consulting work, trying to change the world, you're still in the classroom, in the trenches, teaching high school. And I have to tell you, I think high school would be just such a challenging grade level to teach. My background's in middle level education. I love my smelly middle schoolers and the thought of teaching seniors. Those are adults. I mean, what are you most passionate about with the work that you get to do with them? Well, I did, you know, middle school for 13 years as well. Um, and it's funny you said smell. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, they they smell like a hoagie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I got like you got to wear your pit stick, you know, bro. You're killing me. But um, so it it did really intimidate me at first when I found out I was going to be at the high school because you know these linebackers walking down the hallway. But really, you know, we're all just struggling to figure stuff out, mm -hmm. and that's that's what I love specifically with with my seniors is I try to sit down with them across the desk, you know, every other week while they're doing some independent work and just talk to each one of them. Hey, how's it going? And if I could just make a full-time job of helping students write their college essays, it is so beautiful. I mean, I could just go on and on, on discussing with them. Like, so do, do you want to go to college? Do you feel like you need to go to college? Oh, why? And you know, peeling back those questions. If you if you ask why three times, you know, you'll you'll get some insights. And it, it's just very empowering the things that they share with me in their essays, which are deeply vulnerable. And then saying thank you for sharing that with me. Maybe you want to prune that. Here's different ways and the feedback that I give them, and then the feedback they give me about my feedback is really meaningful. Uh, what I also loved is I did eighth grade and I would launch them as freshmen. You know, oh, when you get to the high school, when you get to the high school. And then I got to the high school and it's still the same. And then when you get to college, when you get into the world world, real world, and then you get, it's still the same. Like we are all having that journey. We're all having struggles and discovering our strengths. And so it's just, you're changing the theme a little bit, but I, I tend to see that there's this overarching similarity. Oh, which is so phenomenal. I mean, we're all just striving to support the students that we have in front of us and, you know, supporting them on their journey is such a, a beautiful opportunity. I love that your focus is able to support them in their college essays. I vividly remember the importance of that essay. I remember exactly what I wrote about. I mean, it's so cool that you kind of get that insight of those stories that they're able to share because those are very personal stories in a typical submission, right? 
And the the whole thing about writing, because I, I had a magazine column for like five years and it's, you know, like this time of year, I'd say, okay, how more can I address the topic of being thankful for Thanksgiving season or, you know, now what can I do? So I, I found formulas, I found tricks, and then I, I teach them that. And to focus on, it's not even what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. And you could have this insignificant moment where you're just like looking out the window and admiring the beauty of nature. Like right now, I just heard a bird for the first time. And, you know, you could unpack that with passion and irony. And um, so really, when they're like, I don't know what to write about, I'm like, dude, you can write about anything. It's just what do you, what impression do you want to give the reader? Oh, such a good tip. I love that. And, and it's so funny that we experience that in so many different ways day to day, but specifically with that essay, it's such a wonderful freedom to be able to say, you can talk about anything. It just depends on what you want your reader to experience. I love that, that kind of like different lens, that different perspective on that. We're going to head into our brainstorm bank segment because I want to dive deeper into these passions you have, your tips and tricks for our theme this week and kind of everything in between. So it's Thursday. We're going to head into our brainstorm bank first, and then we'll get into our good news story here at the end of our show. So we'll be right back. All right, friends, as you've probably already picked up on, we're 13 minutes in. There are a lot of things we can dive into with Jennifer. Jennifer, your insight, your passion lies in so many different spaces that truly I feel like we could talk on so many different things for hours and hours and hours. We're going to try and fit as much into our brainstorm bank as possible for this show. And then hopefully everybody goes and connects with you afterwards so they can continue these conversations. As many of you know, this segment is all about taking an intentional moment this morning and saying good morning, saying hello, asking you how you are, and simply saying, hey, do you need anything? Jennifer and I are here to be brainstorm partners with you, uh, whether you are debating something related to our theme, related to our passions, or if you have something else going on in your classroom, you just need somebody to be a collaborative partner with you. Um, Jennifer and I were able, right before our show, to kind of discuss how to be problem solvers and how do you move beyond just problem solving. And so we're excited to not only bring that to you this morning, but also be a partner in that experience with you. So please, please feel free to throw your thoughts in the chat or obviously submit your ideas, your questions over at teachbetter.com slash daily drop in so we can be there to support you as well. Um, Jennifer, there are so many different topics that I know we can touch on for this morning, but if you don't mind, our theme this week has to do with kind of ending your class period strong. How do you end your class hour, those last five minutes with intention? I thought we'd start there. And then I think it's going to really evolve into so many different things you're passionate about. One of which that I really want to get into is your passion for involving stakeholders in conversations. So first and foremost, as a classroom teacher, you've done this for many years. You get to support teachers in so many different areas. What is something that we should focus on, whether it be today or later this week, as we kind of end our time with our students, how do we make that intentional? Well, I think to evaluate, you know, what was my purpose for this particular lesson? What did I want my students to get from this lesson, their key takeaway, and to create some type of formative assessment. And that way you can look at it 
adjust, see what themes are emerging, how can they build upon it through some mindful inquiry? You know, what, what did you, oh God, there are so many, um, what, what resonated with you? What confirmed something that you already knew? What was the most surprising thing that you learned? It, it could go on and on. And I literally have like 17 different tips that I, that I do uh, circle, square, triangle, like, you know, what, what, you know, that one, right. The four things that squared up your thinking, three points that you learned, one thing that's still circling and downloading. And one way to do this is to do it involving tech. You could do a Google form. It disaggregates the data and sorts it out. And you can see that you can check through. I'm big on transparency. So the next day you can say, Oh, check out what, what you all said here. I didn't even, I made an assumption about your background knowledge that I didn't know. And let's unpack that a little bit. So that is always good. Then it, they also know that they have to be accountable. They need to be paying attention. They can't just put IDK on it at the end. And I think that's a really great way to also give them like what the next step is. So for tomorrow, I want you to be thinking about something, something, whatever it is, and bring that to the table. So not so much, I'm not a huge proponent of homework, especially I teach seniors, they have jobs, they have all kinds of, you know, real world expectations that they have to live up to. And really, the more that I'm looking at it, homework is really assessing their home life, which is not within their control at all. So to have them maybe set an intention for the next day. What can you do to come to school tomorrow or come to this class with a certain idea as opposed to expecting them to be able to have a quiet place to work and do these problems and, and bring them into class? So I think that's um, those two things, uh, formative and setting intentions for next steps. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I like that you were able to put two things into those, uh, into that like, you know, quote unquote, five minute block, whether it's a 10 minute block or anything in between. But you're trying to accomplish two different ideas where you're saying at the end, I want to make sure as an educator, I have information on my students. What did they learn? How successful were they with my own personal objectives of learning that day? So you are able to then not only collect data, but to be able to later reflect on that data and utilize that data to be more successful, which is a great intention for the last few minutes of your class. But you're also saying, I also want to set up my students to come to class the following day, even more prepared for what's going to be ahead of them. So how can I set an intention for that time? How can I leave them maybe with like a hook that gets them excited to come back? So those two goals really allows you as the teacher to, to collect information, but also allows your students to get something out of that experience. And the technology is, I think, so important because if you're doing it on a little half sheet and then they hand it in, well, now you have it. If you put a discussion post, that Google form, I love to do slides and maybe assign each kid a slide to put their thing. They're crowdsourcing the information. And that way, when they have their summative assessment, if you're doing that every day and you're doing that over the course of two, three weeks, and now they have all these artifacts that they can use to create their own executive summary report of what they've been working on for the past couple of weeks. So I try to be very project management, entrepreneurial in that sense, and start to talk about language, especially with seniors, giving them a vocabulary that's going to set them up to be successful outside of my English classroom. 
Yeah, you're not only giving them language, you're giving them like real world organizational strategies. I mean, the medium in which we choose as teachers to collect and curate information is essential. Um, I'm not sure how much of a passion this is for you, but I'd love you to go into kind of an example of, of a situation where you needed to choose a medium and why you chose one way or the other. Do you mind giving us just a food for thought on that? You mean like which tech tool? Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm looking to do a formative assessment, I know what question I want to ask. I'm going to collect data for myself and maybe utilize it for my students later. What are kind of the questions I should be asking to determine if I should do that in some sort of physical paper pencil, if there's a tech resource that is better than the other to, to make that determination? What kind of questions should I ask myself for that? Right. And the power of questions are, are so important. Um and I guess, again, it's it's the purpose. Are you trying to narrow something down? And in that case, it could be a drop-down box, you know, which one of these five things resonated most with you? And then you can see where the energy of the room is going. Or it could be a more open-ended where you say to them, instead of trying to narrow things down, maybe you're trying to expand it. And in that case, you're, you're asking an open-ended as opposed to ha- having them to choose something. Yeah, I I think your direction was so spot on and knowing your intention of why you're collecting this data. Why are you, quote unquote, having a formative assessment? I know for myself and I have done more reflection on this show than than I ever expected. But um, truly, this is another example of earlier in my career, I would do formative assessments all the time because that's what you were supposed to do. And then truly, I take those formative assessments. The students would leave my classroom. A new batch of students would come in. I'd be looking at this information, whether it be on a computer or or in just a pile of papers. And at the end of the at the end of the day, I'd have five or six stacks of different class hours giving me information. And I'd be like, Well, I don't know why I need this. I this wasn't for me. I I don't I don't get any information out of this. I'm not going to spend time looking through these. And so you'd like put them all in the recycling bin and start the day again the following day. And I just think you're, you're so spot on that you're not only taking a formative intent, a formative assessment of your student's success because you as the educator are hoping to gain something out of it. But also I love the challenge of what are you, you have to know what you're hoping to gain in terms of like the, the concept. And sometimes it's to expand your student's thinking or narrow down a concept or idea. So I love those those little strategies, those food for thought tips and tricks as we give a formative assessment later today or or even later you know, next week to say, why am I doing this? Because if I'm doing it just because I think I'm supposed to, then I'm wasting everybody's time. Well, and in listening to you, and that's why I love having conversations with different people, it made me realize that the class experience can be a formative assessment, right? So if they, if you're creating opportunities for them to engage and you're circling around and you're, you're hearing their conversations, you realize, Ooh, they like that. I'm going to give them more of that or, Ooh, they're struggling there. Now I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. So not that you don't know what you're doing from one day to the next, but you have to be flexible. You have to be fluid. And to say, if this is where, where I want them to go and there's this energy going on in the classroom and you're scanning and theming things out, that's going to help guide you on the spin you're going to put 
the next day mm-hmm. to get them that one step closer. Yeah, it's interesting. I know we're going to move beyond this topic because I really want to get your opinion on this passion you have for stakeholders and you know involving them in, in ideas. But kind of ha- as a as a little bit of a transition, um, when I went for my master's and worked on my thesis, the the topic I worked on in my thesis project was focused on how a medium would affect a student's success. And specifically, it was in goal setting and reflecting. So when students goal set and reflect on their their learning thus far, does the medium in which they do that affect their ability to successfully reflect or goal set? And in this research, um, there was a number of different things that, that came out of it, but this concept of choosing a medium really is an idea that we as teachers have the power in, in providing strong opportunities for our students to be either more successful or not as successful, depending on what we choose. So as we continue to move throughout our day today, I want to challenge all of you to really think through what formative assessments you're providing your students today and how you are conducting and collecting that data and if it's affecting the information you're getting. I think that's a really important tidbit. The one thing I was going to say to transition here, the way in which my students goal set and reflect actually connected directly to my stakeholders immediately getting that information as well. And I know you have a big passion for ensuring stakeholders are a part of important conversations. I'd love for you to to speak to that a little bit. Sure. Um, and it, it, I do want to say first, though, um, if you're talking about something like, well, do you do it in a journal? Can you do it in a flip grid? Right. And so are you leveraging the student's strengths and are you providing them opportunities to grow? Mm-hmm. And to that, you know, kind of transition back, when you do involve as many stakeholders as possible, everyone does have a different strength. And when you're coming up with a decision, you know, here's here's what we're thinking about. What do you think about that? And to involve students, families, the community, in that decision, you're going to have a richness of conversation and dialogue, and the outcome is going to be so much better because of that, because you don't have that tunnel vision. And when there's a lot of people involved in a school, this living system, that does impact so many people, the more people that you involve in co-creating that experience, they're going to be bought in if you're endeavoring to have some type of transformational sustainable change, if you involve them in it, they'll they'll feel a sense of pride and ownership in that experience and they will want to support that. You know, when I think of stakeholders, I think it's important in this conversation kind of define who we're talking about. There's a lot of people that may or may not be stakeholders in our students' success, but specifically for your passion in this area, who do you feel like are the essentials to be involved in these types of conversations? And do they change depending on who the student is, where you work, and what is currently going on with the student? Well, and it also depends upon the decisions. And are they more finite or are they more high-level types of decisions? So, for example, should we go to a later start time? Should we switch from a block schedule to... to um, uh, you know, do we do four traditional, right? Well, 
how involved are you getting the students and the teachers involved in that conversation? Because they are the ones who are literally going to be affected by that. Uh, as opposed to a decision on a NORAP or, you know, reevaluating re an IEP, that's going to be a very different conversation than this high level, massive impact scale. So to me, depending upon who would be affected the most and involving the community, you might think may not involve them as much, but to realize that the culture of a school can ripple out and impact the community. And if we're always talking about preparing students to be productive members of the community, then why not have the community be involved in that experience and that process as well? Absolutely. You know, I think it's been um, so amplified with the world we're living in now with social media for a lot of people to have an opinion on education. And I think it's interesting that some of that that concern with, oh, should we bring in more stakeholders to this conversation? The stress that comes with that on occasion is, is a concern for negativity. And negativity exists in the world, friends. We, we're all aware of that. But the reality is, is that when you welcome more people to the table, you really allow people to feel heard, to feel like they have some sort of ownership in what decisions being made. And the negativity can subside because people really do feel like they've been a part of not only sharing their own thoughts and viewpoints, but hearing others' viewpoints as well to better understand how decisions are made. And, um, you know, the, the concept of involving our community, involving our stakeholders, whether they be parents, teachers, students, or anybody in between in the decision-making process really is not only to gain multiple perspectives, but to also ensure that when a, when a decision is made, that then the reasons behind those decisions, the process, the, the in-depth process that we all go to, to make a decision, um, the story of that can then be shared in multiple different areas to, to better understand why the decision was made the way it was. And when you involve more people, it becomes more transparent mm -hmm. and people don't start to fill in the blanks with their own false narrative because they're just trying to piece things together. And, you know, they're, if you can just start, not you specifically, but if people can start with the assumption that everyone wants what's best for their students, for their children, there may be different ways to go about that. And you can involve multiple viewpoints, honor multiple perspectives, and when you have everyone in that conversation and it's done repeatedly, consistently, if, and I'm going to use I statements, if I don't get my way this time, then I might say, well, I might be the outlier. I may just have some type of fringe opinion and I see this preponderance of evidence that most people want this other thing. Okay, I can acquiesce and say, go for it if I keep on being asked, because there are other going to be times that people are going to resonate with my opinion too. And I'd say, oh yes, but that is what I feel is so important is when there's conversations being taken. It's again, data, formative assessments, stuff is being collected. It's shown and you see this process and appreciative inquiry is, you know, the one thing that I think is such a great way to do it. Again, people can say, I was part of it. And my personal 
I would do it this way 100% of the time. It may not go exactly that way, but when I was still part of that conversation and I could see just little whiffs of my contribution in the overall outcome, again, you're going to have buy-in. So Jennifer, we really value like as a teach better family, but just, you know, as a, as a team, as a whole, we, we love being able to provide kind of like tactical tips and tricks, like the strategies that we can physically like go do right now and challenge ourselves to be a little bit better today than we were yesterday and a little bit better tomorrow than we were today. I'd love to leave our community with a little bit of a challenge today. Um, maybe a food for thought, but I'd really love it to be a little bit of a challenge that they can go out and do something to take one step closer to better connecting with their stakeholders or maybe even carrying the mindset to consider involving stakeholders more intentionally. Any thoughts on what that challenge could be? To think about the questions that you ask. When you ask a positive question, you're going to get a positive outcome. So, so that would be thing. That would be the thing is to challenge people to ask strength-based questions, to be curious about things. And so, it's less convincing people about your way of thinking. Solicit theirs, and be curious about what people think, and you may get some different ideas. Uh, I don't know if that's very too general or somebody wants like a specific from a pers different perspective or for a specific case. No, I think it's spot on, Jennifer. I think that really taking time to consider um, the types of questions you ask, even just in one class hour, friends, or in one meeting today, find one opportunity to say, okay, I'm channeling our daily drop-in conversation. Jennifer's in my brain. And during this meeting or during this um, class hour or in my emails today, I'm going to be thinking through the types of questions that I'm asking. Um, I also heard, Jennifer, you mentioned the power of asking why three times. I'd love to um, kind of table that for now and go into that someday in the future. Because if you guys have not heard that opportunity of being in a dialogue and asking why three times to really dig into a topic... You have to go research that. Go message Jennifer um, about how that strategy has affected all the things because there's so many different components of that. So that was a really good suggestion too as you guys are thinking throughout your day. You know, Jennifer, I'd love to transition into our good news story, our, our holidays for the day, and some other stories and I know celebrations that can come of that. So are you ready to transition here? Ready. Right. Born ready. Here we go. All right, friends, good morning. We are at the tail end of our daily drop-in segment where we are going to focus on good news. We're going to talk about holidays. And Jennifer, I feel like we're going to get into some good stories as well. I'm not sure how your mindset is, Jennifer, but how do you feel about celebrating a phenomenal holiday? Always a good thing? Celebration is always good. And at the same time, to acknowledge that sometimes holidays can be triggering for some people because of different family dynamics and, and things. So to always be mindful that it's it's not a single story. 
Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. You know, on the show, we really love to acknowledge some serious holidays, some goofy holidays that exist in the world. This is not only to give us all an opportunity to maybe celebrate something that brings a smile to our face or add a giggle to the classroom as we enter to in, in this morning to work with students, but also to be aware of the holidays that our students may or may not be celebrating and to be curious. I love that that's been a theme today, Jennifer, that you've brought up numerous times to be curious to learn about the students that are in our classroom. So there's so many different opportunities here. I do think this one's a little weird, and we're going to start off with a weird one because apparently November 4th, today is Thursday, November 4th, is National Candy Day. I feel like National Candy Day should be the day after Halloween. Is that just me? I I don't even know. Should there be a National Candy Day? I don't, I don't know, but... One one of my colleagues used to say everything in moderation, including moderation. So sometimes you just have to go big or go home. Have go fun. big or go home. Well, I have to tell you, in um, National Today, which is where we're reading our holidays from this morning, National Candy Day um, has a picture of like jelly beans. I cannot tell you the last time I had a jelly bean. I might need to add that to my to-do list today, but it is National Candy Day. So if you are somebody who has not consumed all your Halloween candy yet, Apparently today is the day to have another snack on those fun little treats that you might have in your house. The other holiday that I'd love to acknowledge, I think this is a beautiful holiday um, that many, many of your students might be celebrating today. This could be something to incorporate into your classroom or your conversation. Um, this could also be a really important discussion that you might want to have with a colleague later today. Um, but this is the start of a Diwali. So this is a beautiful festival of lights that is celebrated in October or November, depending on the year. Um, uh, it's a Hindu holiday that is, you know, across so many different uh, avenues of families and cultures that celebrate this, this festivities. It's all about lights and um, color and just beautiful, um, like symbolic um, festivities for today. And so if you are not familiar of the history, there's so much history and where this beautiful holiday comes from. And uh, there's a number of different timelines in here and ways to celebrate. So I thought we'd actually focus on maybe why it's celebrated. Um, so just so you all know, um, Diwali is the Festival of Lights, mainly celebrated in India. It lasts for five days, which is so fun. I love holidays that span more than just one day and sim symbolizes the spirituality of form of good versus evil, life versus darkness, and knowledge versus ignorance. So it's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity to have some conversation there. Um, while there are so many ways to celebrate, I encourage you all to um, find somebody that might be celebrating this, this incredible tradition and asking them how they celebrate. One of the suggestions here are lighting candles, watching fireworks, um, and also just reflecting on the blessings that we have in our life. So not a culture that I am in, but a culture that I'm always eager to learn about. I love learning about different holidays. So Jennifer, I'm not sure if you've celebrated this holiday before, but um, what a great opportunity to maybe light a candle um, and celebrate in other people's celebrations for the next few days. Thank you for unpacking that. And it's it's literally close to home because we have a very large Indian population where I live and we're, we actually don't have school today. We have off because there are so many students who wouldn't be here. And are you going to mention the other, the, the news story? Uh, I will. That'll be coming next. Yep. Good. Because there, there's a segue there. So 
I'll well, yeah, so maybe let's get into that. And then I want to hear about that segue. Jennifer and I were talking uh, prior to us coming live and the good news story is all about, you know, people doing really, really good deeds for each other. So I'd love to focus on this. The highlight, uh, I'm sorry, the title says, after senior has no candy for trick-or-treaters, the kids return with gifts for her. So this is a story out of the UK. Um, and just to summarize, there is a elderly woman. She's 86 years old. And uh, her name is Brenda Burden. And she was getting a knock at her door. She said she hasn't for years gotten trick-or-treaters. So she didn't buy candy this year. And this year, for whatever reason, a group of students showed up at her doorstep and um, shared, you know, the trick-or-treat message with her. She was very thankful for them visiting her home. She said that she hadn't had trick-or-treaters for such a long time. It was such a wonderful experience to be able to have people show up at her home, but she didn't have anything to give them. And so while they had a very short-lived, sweet conversation, um, the students or the, the children went on their way. And, you know, she apologized for not being able to kind of like conclude the trick-or-treat tradition by sharing uh, some holiday gifts and candy with her. So later on the following day, the kids returned back to her home with their own set of gifts for her. So they brought her candy and treats and a card. And um, the students, the, the children just wanted to share their appreciation for her and kind of reversing the trick-or-treat mentality and bringing her some some gifts and some treats. So we thought that that was such a, a wonderful good news story of kids you know, doing something wonderful for members of their neighborhood. And when you told me of that story, I said, it's kind of similar to what my son and I did. I love trick-or-treat. I love Halloween because you can be whatever you want to be. And I, I just love how that feels. And I was a theater major, so I always put on some some makeup with it. And uh, my, my son's friend had to quarantine because mm -hmm. of COVID contact tracing and whatnot. And this child was, you know, obviously upset about it, but, you know, taking it in stride. So I went trick-or-treating and I would always say, I'm taking this for, for my, my son's friend. And the amount of joy and excitement when he knocked on the door and was waiting for his friend to come, he was literally jumping up and down and doing his like Fortnite, yes, 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 dance. And he was so happy to see someone else be surprised and happy. And while we were trick-or-treating, you know, I would say, 90% of the people who were handing out candy happened to be Indian. And he would see all the Deepak, I, I believe they're called uh, Deepaks, um, the, the light lanterns. And he asked, you know, oh, you know, what is this? And they were explaining it. And I have to say, I wanted to say to every single person, could you just not give me the candy and whatever smells so good in your house? Can I, can I just have that? Like, cause I love, you know, a, a good curry and, and all the, the, food from India. It's just, and it's so varied to North versus Southern Indian. So um, I, I just love, love the culture. That's definitely one of my bucket list places to visit is India. My brother's been there uh, for the work that he does. And it's just culture, different cultures are so beautiful. And it, I, I just love it. Well, and I, I really appreciate that you've tied these two concepts together. One is this opportunity that we all have to brighten someone's day, give a little gift and the gift can be so tiny, right? It can be a bag of candy or, or gifts as in abundance, like these stories shared, or it can be something small. But I do have to say, even I just feel like it's such a gift anytime somebody takes interest in my life. And one of the things that we can choose to take interest in other people's lives and give them that gift of feeling like 
what they're going through and what they identify with is important is asking about their culture, celebrating these holidays together, questions about how they celebrate, questions about the beautiful food that they might be preparing for their families. I mean, the the, uh, the gift of of a physical item is always such a wonderful opportunity, but the gift of showing interest in others and wanting to bring others into your life is just such a wonderful thing that we can do today. So love, love the tie in there and always fun to be able to, to learn about what other people are celebrating because we all have our own cultures, backgrounds, religions, and everything in between. And there might be students in your classroom today that are celebrating a beautiful holiday that, that you can be a part of. So I think it's such a wonderful opportunity to learn about them. And again, curiosity, you know, asking questions. So good. You know, Jennifer, we have been live for over 45 minutes. There's been so much good discussion, so many tips and tricks and, and challenges that we've been able to share with people. Would you mind sharing out your contact information? How can people stay connected to you and continue this conversation moving forward? Sure. So my email is my name, Jennifer, at genformation.com one N J E N F O R M A T I O N. And I have my website, genformation.com is the easiest way to get a hold of me and uh, also to always reach out to teach better. And I'm sure we, you know, we're continuing conversations. So either way you can find me personally directly or, or through teach better. I love it. Yes. We're always able to connect any of our, our guests on daily drop in with those of you that are tuning in. So just let us know if you can't hunt anybody down. Jennifer, are you on social media? Is that something that you like to dabble with? Can they connect with you there? Yes, we. I have, again, with, with my partner, because it it really makes it so much easier when you have someone else as an accountability, accountability partner and our strengths come together. So it's Jen and Heidi SEL is our Facebook page, and we do a lot of posts right there. So Jen and Heidi SEL and Jenformation. Wonderful. Yes. Love to connect with Heidi and learn about her story as well. So this has been so fun. Jennifer, thank you for getting up early and chatting with us here on Daily Drop-In. As all of you, our Teach Matter family knows, we have Daily Drop-In again tomorrow morning to kind of close out our week on Friday. Brad Hughes will be joining us to not only talk on the theme, but anything else that comes up for the week. So Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us this morning and being a part of our not only admin mastermind group, but also just such an active member of our Teach Better community. We're thrilled to have you. And I can't wait for all of our network to continue to connect with the work that you do. So I really appreciate you. And thank you for being curious about my work. And I wish everyone, you know, getting through to the end of this 2021 and coming up with the holiday season. There are so many out there and, you know, find your stride. You got this. Love it. You got this, guys. It is Thursday, November 4th, and it's going to be the best Thursday that you've had this year. And if you don't believe me, guys, I'm telling you, this is going to be the best Thursday. So walk in with that positive mentality. And if you need anything, just know that the Teach Better family truly is here to be with you. Enjoy your last sips of coffee as you head into your workday, and we'll see you guys later. Thanks, friends. See you later. Bye. <laughs>